Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We all have visual DNA. Our aesthetics are unique. And we should not try and follow or adhere to someone else's aesthetics. We need to find our own design compass and our own design language. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman, Hunker's editorial director. Today on the show, we have Serena Dugan. Serena is an artist and textile designer and the co-founder of Serena and Lily, a popular home design and decor company. When it comes to her home, Serena is extremely thoughtful. She designs her personal space around how she feels in it, not how it looks to the visitor. We talk about how the objects we bring into our homes have a resonance. They should feel well-loved and well-worn, and she encourages us to buy what we connect to without thinking about the rules. Whether you're an artist, a designer, or you simply love home decor, this conversation is pure inspiration. So let's welcome our guest, Serena Dugan. There you are. Here I am in the flesh. (laughs) So I have to tell you, I have like a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for you because I was pregnant with my son in 2004, gave birth to him in 2005. And suddenly at that time, like every person does, was thinking about baby stuff in nurseries. And Serena and Lily came into my world. Mm. And I didn't realize that it started at that time. I think for some reason I thought it was around before because prior to that, I wasn't looking for baby stuff. But that's when you guys launched as well. Is that right? Yeah, we launched. Chances are you were one of our first clients or customers. And I worked for a little while, I worked at this mom and pop online site called The Cradle. Oh, yeah, sure. It was all about pregnancy and new parenthood. 
And I got into that um, work. I was on the editorial team because I met the founder at a mommy and me group and we started working together. I believe we went to like this convention. I think it was called ABC in Vegas. Been there. You were there. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a big, wonderful industry at the time and there were so many new things happening. I felt like it felt like the Wild West. It felt like we were stepping into and recreating an industry that had kind of been left to the dogs. There was amazing content delivery systems, different websites, different blogs, different product directions. There was so much happening at that time. And it was an exciting, exciting way to start the business. And definitely, you know, I smiled when you said that you have a soft spot because so many of our earliest customers have that same soft spot and have a loyalty and allegiance to that brand because we were partners on that journey with them. Yeah, because it's such a sensitive, emotional time, you know, as you're dreaming of a baby and dreaming. It's just so much fun to like create that nursery and design around who this person may be that you dream of. Yeah, it was um, it was a really wonderful way to connect to our clientele, mm. um, to be partners on that journey with them. And you and Lily met because you have a background in fine arts. Yes. And you were already like a painter and textile designer. And then you two met. That's right. And it was just like. Yeah. So I had gone to school for fine art and then back to school for, well, actually originally psychology, then back to school for fine art and then continued to study textile design. And I had a list of clients. I had my own decorative painting business and had started my line of hand block printed fabrics that I was making in Northern California. And I stopped into Lily's store to introduce my range of services to her. And I mean, this is the the shortest version of the story, but long and short is that um, she had big ideas of around how to use what I design. And I was highly susceptible to a big idea, a big, exciting direction and said, you know, sign me up. And she said, here's how we're going to make it happen. And I said, okay, we're, you know, it was like a meeting of these two forces. Mm. And, um, you know, that didn't slow down for a really long time. That's amazing. It was like a perfect storm. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. And then you stepped away from that in, was it 2016 or 2017? One of those two. Did you feel like your time had, it was just time to move on? It was like it had come to an end for you or? Yeah, um, it's kind of a, it's a complex answer. It, mm. the life cycle of that business had for me, Although I can see, I have this perspective now that I've been able to step away from it, but the life cycle for me had reached its conclusion. Mm. It started as a product idea, which then became a brand, which then took shape and formed into, well, it went from product idea to product line, to collection, to brand, into business, into a big retail business. And I was 30 years old when Lily and I met. I wanted to know how to do everything. I had no preconceived notion about what I was and what I wasn't and what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. I wanted to learn it all. And so I did learn it all. And I realized I have ways to use my time that I enjoy 
and that I don't enjoy as much, where I am fulfilled and where I'm unfulfilled, where I excel and where I don't excel. And I learned everything over the course of those 14 years, everything career-wise. And it reached a point where the business really needed to grow according to the market. And I had a thought that eventually that would happen, but for the longest time, it grew according to what we inside that building wanted to put out, mm. what we wanted to say, um, and how we wanted to be different and how we wanted to you know, present our ideas. And there comes a point in every responsible retail corporation's life where they have to be market-driven. And Serena and Lily reached that point and I realized I'm not the right person to be in this seat as chief creative officer or even lead designer. So what was pulling me outside of the business, it was more creative. It was more harebrained. It was more exploratory. It was really back to the roots of what made me tick as a creative. And that was what hadn't been said yet. And that's dangerous territory for a retail business. Mm. You don't explore what isn't being said. Well, what do you mean by that? What isn't being said specifically in this case? Well, specifically in this case, I wanted to explore colorways that um, aren't visible in the market. I wanted to test new application methods. I wanted to play with furniture piece types that are interesting to me, but aren't necessarily proven. Mm, mm-hmm. And granted, I didn't go the furniture route, but I was really pulled by something that was more out there, not less out there. Yeah. Because I, you know, you, you spend so many years figuring out what the customer wants mm. that it becomes very repetitive. You know that you have to give them X colorway. You know that if you create a floral with this kind of rhythm, then it sells over this type of floral. And so the design work becomes less daring. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, which is not to say that it is any less valuable. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that it's any less exciting to the customer. It's just less exciting maybe to the designer because you're not starting from square one. Right. You're starting based on that point that you left off on on the last season, which you now have metrics around. Yeah. Basically, I had learned to get smarter about design, but not how to become a better designer. And I was ready to just go back to being an artist again. I love it. That's it. Yeah. Also, I I thought that I read that you studied in Italy. In Florence, yes. So is that part of your makeup of who you are? Like, do you like to travel? Do you have the wanderlust? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is a podcast about being home. And, you know, I know that there are plenty of people who maybe they find their home being on the road. Right. Or they still love their home, but they have that need to be out and to travel. And perhaps for a designer like yourself, that's imperative to your creativity. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. I mean, it's cliche to say I have to travel for inspiration, but it's true. You have to travel for inspiration. I don't know that there's a creative out there who doesn't need to change their horizon line in order to stay fueled. So yeah, I travel a ton. COVID was difficult, but I found ways to use that time really effectively. But travel has always been incredibly important to what I do and my time in Florence. I had traveled before that. 
Mm-hmm. But really, Florence was the experience where I was reminded by how much of the world, outside of the US, how much of the world uses adornment to beautify their lives. Mm-hmm. And that is what made me want to become a decorative painter was the frescoes in the churches and the fact that there wasn't a ceiling that didn't have stars painted on it. And it was just so much more exuberant and so much more alive than what I felt or saw in the U.S. And I came back from that experience wanting to be that and do that. And that's what I did for a solid nine years, and I loved it. And so textile is your love, is this right? And painting, yes. I would say one, I don't know which my right hand or left hand is, but I do both equally. Yes. I'm committed to both equally. But they play off of one another. They play into one another quite a bit. Right. So people who are listening can go to your website where you have all of your fabrics there. And your fabrics are gorgeous. The colors. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. And the patterns, just gorgeous. Thank you so much. Do you paint that and then get it made into a textile? Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, technically, every textile designer has a different method. My method is that I start with hand-painted motifs, motifs being like the little element. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a circle and a dot and a wavy line, I paint those individually with a material called gouache on Bristol board, and I scan it into the computer, and I manipulate everything on Photoshop. So I create my patterns on Photoshop. It's, It's heavily digital, and it's really fun. Once you know Photoshop and you understand what you're doing and it becomes automatic, it's really a blast. I love it. Did you teach yourself Photoshop? No, I learned Photoshop in art school. Originally, when I went to art school, I thought I was going to be a graphic designer. And I got far enough into the graphic design classes to know that I loved the fundamentals. I loved painting. I loved getting dirty. I loved the raw materials. But sure enough, the digital art that came in really handy. So I had been using Photoshop for one thing or another since art school. And so just to backtrack a little bit, when you left the Serena and Lily world, yes, you took a little time off and then you launched your own Serena Dugan studio in March, 2020. Is that right? Yes. So I launched Serena Dugan studio, the fabrics and wallpapers in 2020, but I started painting right away when I left Serena and Lily. So I had spent the last two, three years just painting and selling my artwork and figuring out the gallery system and opening up galleries and navigating all that. That's so beautiful. Like what a gift of time that you gave yourself from working so hard for so many years to be able to take that time to reconnect with your creativity. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It was a very powerful time in my life. I mean, I often say that building a company like that, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill Mm. and you never really pause because you're holding a boulder the whole time and going and you're going and you're going and you're proud, but you're too busy to be all that proud. And it wasn't until I was able to step away from it that I could step back and take stock of what I had done and realize, wow, I'm really tired. And I know a lot more now than I did then. What is it that I know? What have I learned? What do I love? What do I not love? Who am I? How do I create a life now around not what can I do, but what do I want to do? Are there entrepreneurs in your family? Like, Where does this entrepreneurial 
bold force? Like, where does this come from for you? You're just born with it just to take chances and go? I don't know. It's a great question. It's not that I have an entrepreneurial family. They thought I was crazy when I was going back to art school. I mean, I thought I would be a clinical psychologist. That was my track. Yeah, very different. (laughs) Very different. And I went back, I decided to go to art school and my parents thought I was bananas. Mm. And I just really have had an internal drive of what is right for me. It doesn't matter what anyone says around me or to me. If it doesn't align with something that feels right to me, then I don't follow that path. And so the entrepreneurial thing is just a matter of understanding what makes me what I want to do, feeling that so strongly with such passion that I will take any step to pursue it. And so being entrepreneurial can mean different things to different people. Some people are entrepreneurs because they're driven to be financially successful. Mm -hmm. Some want to be successful in general. Some want to be independent. I do it simply because I have an idea in my head. And whether that happened in a company or through an independent business, it doesn't matter. I just am really wrapped up in bringing an idea to life. That's so cool. You know, because a lot of people do get tripped up on the the worry of what other people are going to say or the fear or... I don't care. That's amazing. I really don't. It's my... Everyone has their own life to live. Mm. I don't do what I do for anyone other than myself. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't occur to me to care what other people think. Although, you know, my first hurdle was making it through the bewilderment of my parents. You know, when I hooked a... CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right when I had always been heading left. And at that point, I just didn't look back. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, driven by the next idea and I'm really agnostic when it comes to how that makes its way out into the world. I just want to make, I want to create, I want to surprise. I want to surprise myself. I want to find my edges and keep saying what I have to say. And now for a quick break. So when it comes to your home, is it color and textiles everywhere? Do you change it every few months? How does that work for you in your personal space? 
my personal space, it's designed around how I feel in it, not how it looks to the visitor, not, you know, whether something is on trend. It is a collection of items that have resonance and meaning to me. My grandmother was a professional sculptor and I have her sculptures everywhere. And she was also a painter. I have her paintings. I have items that I collected when I travel, vintage textiles that I found in far-flung places that have special memories for me. It is collected visually because I'm aesthetically driven, but it is a collection of items that have power for me. So those hold the most value to you in your home. Absolutely. You know, the things with the most power for me in my home are the items with story. And that might be a story of where I bought it or who gave it to me or the woodworker who carved it or that type of thing. But it's also old leather chair, you know, an old pair of beat up Louis leather chairs that I've carried them from house to house to house. And I have such good memories of sitting in that chair and living with them. They will continue to travel with me. And the more patina they have, the better. I'm not worried about marks on things. I believe your home should feel like there's life in it. And your items should feel well-worn and well-loved. And there's more character and more spirit in the room if um, your items are lived in. I love that so much. And especially with the pandemic and so many of us turning inward into our homes and into our spaces and identifying with our spaces more than ever, because many of us were working from home or still are, or, you know, kids are schooling from home to create the spaces, as you describe, where it doesn't have to be Instagrammable perfect. It just has to feel right to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any non-negotiables? in your living space that are important to you? Like, are there three things where you're like, wherever I live, I need these three things? Original artwork, uh, original artwork and original artwork. Yeah. That's really it. I could live, I mean, I could decorate out of Muji as long as there's art on the walls. Mm. I don't feel that furnishings need to be precious. I have some that are, you know, we're more splurgy than others, but they don't need to be. I respect and adore and admire a beautiful object. So sometimes I will layer that into my home, but I'm not snobby about it. I think that at the end of the day, what matters is there's something touched by a human in there. It's unrealistic to think that nothing in your home can be factory made, but The more objects, whether it is a blanket or artwork or something hand-printed or hand-carved or handmade, the more of those handmade objects you have, the better your space will feel. I'm convinced. Because of the energy, like you feel, Mm -hmm. as you said, like the story that's behind items. Yeah, I really actually, not to go too far out there, but I really do believe that our objects have a resonance and our homes are our power centers. If you align with and feel a connection to the items that are in there, it animates them. It brings them to life and it brings a hum to your space if there's a connection to inanimate objects. You have children, right? Yeah, I do. So you share your space with other people? Yes, I do. Do you have any place in your home that 
you can designate for yourself where you can meditate or have a morning routine, just have your own place? Well, my home is very small. I love it. It's in a great location. My family is very happy there, but it is very small. So I don't have any space that is designated mine. However, I do have traditions that designate one particular room mine in the morning. Go on. Tell me more. (laughs) So my front living room is like my epicenter. That's where I get my best ideas. It's where I journal. It's where I ideate. It's where I sketch. It's where I meditate. And that room is filled with my grandmother's art. I mean, by filled, you would think that it would be gallery-like. It's not. And it's not just hers. I have a very full art wall a couple of her sculptures and otherwise a very basic, warm, lovely living room. But I feel solid there. And that's my place that I go or I do my best work and my best creative thinking. I mean, I do it also in my studio, but if ever I don't want to leave my house, that's my spot. And my kids know not to bother me in the morning. That is sacred time. I don't care what they're doing. They just need to leave me be for a solid 30 minutes every morning. Is it like no coming in the living room until after 7 a.m. or? You know, I don't think I've ever used the words, you can't come in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) But they know that we just have our tradition. It's, It's amazing how you and your family kind of you know, learn to flex and bend and sway around one another. And that's how they've learned to sway, to give me my time. And then I ease back in with them. You know, I think that that coming back to yourself and centering, it's not all that airy-fairy. It's really natural. And I know this because I have started my day not centered and it all goes sideways. Mm-hmm. So I think it's vital, at least for me, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, I have to take a moment, reconnect with myself, figure out what my intentions are for the day ahead, um, reflect on the day behind me so that I can arrive at that moment and feel good. I love it. Do you feel a connection to your grandmother since her things are surrounding you? Oh, very much. Very much. Yeah, I was always very close with my grandmother, but I didn't really become an artist until after she passed away. I was just starting that journey and she kind of bestowed a couple bits of advice on me. And I take that to heart, but really more than anything, I really connect with how much she went against society and against societal expectations of her to continue to be an artist at a time where the priority was to be a housewife and the, you know, the norm was to be a housewife. My mom grew up in Encino. It was a very conventional upbringing, but my grandmother insisted on going to Pietrasanta, Italy every other summer and working by herself. She left my grandfather behind. He completely supported her. She went over there to sculpt and to bring stone back. How fabulous. Yeah. So, I mean, she has just, she was such a, um, an authentic Mm. and having that authenticity, uh, she's definitely a role model for me. Mm. That's so neat. Did your mom appreciate her mom's artistry? Very much. I think that once my mom knew that I was serious about this, she really got behind it because she so respects and respected her mother. 
and admired her work and, you know, has been fed by her work Mm. that she has gotten behind what I do a thousand percent. Now, did I see on your Instagram page that you are creating a new home, another home? Oh, you are really, you've got your finger on the pulse. (laughs) I just took possession of a house on Shelter Island in New York. Mm. I'm so over the moon about, I have been going out to the Hamptons for many years running and my dream, every time I go back, I think, this is great. I can't stay away, but I'm also repelled because it's so intense. Mm. The Hamptons are so much fun and they really eject you as well because (laughs) it's so busy. And as I've mentioned, I really like my alone time. I like my centering time and you are not afforded any centering time in the fray of the Hamptons. And so I wanted to find something that was outside that fray that allowed me to go participate, but have a refuge nearby. And so I happened to find a really exciting project that allows me to play with what I make, what I paint, what I'm creating, and pull kind of my world together in a way that other people can share. Are you going to be having retreats there? Is it just for your family? How are you going to use it? It's a lot of things. It won't be a formal retreat. Mm -hmm. I don't want to become any kind of tour operator, but I have many pockets of friends and family and my kids and my kids' friends, and I can see many uses. Sometimes it might be just a painting retreat for me, me and me only. Um, Sometimes it might be just a family trip for me and my kids. It might be you know, I get to host my high school pals. It's my turn. Mm -hmm. So it might be that I host some designer dinners there. I can think of so many ways to use it and to enjoy that space. It feels so warm and welcoming and like such a refuge that I want to gather my pockets of people and bring them in to enjoy it. So kind of a back and forth thing since you're on the West Coast, Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. So just doing like a back and forth as it feels good to you? Yeah. I'm leaving it really open. I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to pan out, but I have a strong sense that the right use and the right cadence of how I use it will reveal itself at just the right time. I will use it as soon as I can and will probably run it out at the times that I can't use it which is a great thing there. And it allows me to continue this philosophy of sharing that experience with as many people as possible and allowing them to make memories there. And I will probably develop my routines or my traditions where, you know, maybe the first two weeks of every September I go and paint. So you brought up creating stories, having this home where you're going to create traditions or stories and how you like to bring objects into your home that tell stories. Is that a big part of your work right now, like with how you're creating your designs? Do you feel like you're a storyteller behind all of this? Yeah, stories can mean many things and they don't necessarily have to have words attached to them. It can be a feeling. And for me, color palettes have feelings attached to them. Sounds are feelings. Sounds are emotional. Visuals are emotional. And so the story that I think a beautiful textile can bring to a room is that it can excite or it can elevate. Or it might be that it is literally the story of an experience of where you found it. That it tells the story of your first trip to Southeast Asia. 
and where you trekked and found this village, you know, there might be an actual narrative behind it, or it might just be emotional. But I do think that your thing should have that kind of resonance where you connect to it. And I would say that I design with that narrative already in place. So I create a mood board of what I want a collection to feel like, what emotion I want it to conjure up. You know, I'm looking at one right now. It's very retro, jet set, Italian, fun, festive. It makes you feel free, but not fancy, very breezy. And imagining this lifestyle where I want to see my fabrics, that pulls me through the tunnel of design work where it's very easy to design when I have this narrative in my head or this imaginary world that I want to create through color and pattern and shape and form. That is so neat. I feel like I've saw that on your website where you have some images, you have some different mood boards on your website. Yes, I do. Yeah, like for anyone listening to go check that out because they're beautiful and they do have a feeling or I experience a feeling when I'm looking at them. Good, good. That's the goal. I don't love fabrics or patterns that feel mechanical, Mm -hmm. that feel stock. Everything that I design has a little wonk to it so that you know that there's a person behind it. It doesn't look machine made. Everything I print is hand printed. I feel like that is carried in the object. It can be an art form or it can be a thing. I think textiles are justifiably art forms. The method of production either confirms or denies that. Now, in thinking about like the story idea again, I feel like our homes tell the story of ourselves. Absolutely. So for you, like thinking about your home, if someone walked into your California home, let's say, Mm -hmm. didn't know you, who would they say lived in that home? You know, I always feel like I'm doing something right when someone walks into my house and they say, I love the way this house feels. That's at the end of the day, all that should matter. Does it feel warm? Does it feel inviting? What's the energy like? And I think that more literally, I've had it observed that it's filled with art. You know, I'm used to it. It's my norm. It's how I decorate. Every house will be filled with art. So I think that the overriding characteristics are that it's artful. It's exuberant. My ceilings are wallpapered. There's always an unexpected twist. I really think very carefully about calibrating every nook and cranny of my house Mm -hmm. where I look at it and I feel, okay, is it empty? Is it finished? What would finish it off? What would be an appealing moment? Because I might be staring in this direction and I don't want to feel like it's not considered. And so my houses are very considered, but they are not cluttered. There's always a lot of color and a lot of art, as I've mentioned. So I'm hearing creative, colorful, considerate. Yeah. I mean, not that that would be a surprise, but you know, for the longest time I had Serena and Lily asked to come photograph my house and press asked to see my house. And I would say it's off limits. It's not really for public consumption. It's small. It's my family home. It's not right for that. You know, maybe if I wasn't living there full time, I would think differently, but yeah, I would say the space is definitely creative and unusual because it's my incubator. As a designer, how do you feel about your kids decorating their own rooms? Do you give them free reign there or are you just like, I need this wallpaper or (laughs) I need this pattern? It's a fair question. I feel like I can wiggle out of the question because my kids just don't really care. You know, my daughter 
she at one point recently, she said, I just want all white room. <laughs> I'm like, well, can you tell me more about that? Like, are you thinking maybe some textural, you know, play yeah. and, you know, maybe mixing some white leathers? I was kind of having a field day with it. And she's like, no, like just white, like cotton. She has been oversaturated by me decorating her room. Mm. Her room is a color explosion. We've got giant cherries. We've got bright Prussian blue walls. It's really fun in there. I had a ball, but she's over it. My kids really aren't all that bought into the decorating thing. They've seen me do it. They just want a peaceful place, just like me. I want a peaceful place and they let me do what I want until my daughter is now old enough to push back and she wants all white. And I think, how did this happen? Oh my <laughs> gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. You have another child, is your other child older or younger? He's older. He's 13. Oh, okay. 13 and 11. 13 and 11. He's agreeable. He <laughs> has decided that all he wants is a bigger bed and a ceiling fan. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a little challenging. Wow, okay. Ceiling fan. Okay. Well, interesting. Yeah. You know, their taste is simple, which is great. Just wants a little breeze yeah. in his room. That's all. They just want function and simplicity. I'm all for you go with what the kid wants. My sense of peace is so important to me. I could not deny them their sense of peace and that's their place. Just as the living room is my place, their bedrooms are their place and it should feel comfortable to them. Are you feeling the need to get out and travel more for your next burst of inspiration? Are you just like working on your collection right now or are you like, I need to go? I definitely felt that I need to go over and over and over in the last year, year and a half. Now that I have been on the East Coast getting the house set up, I've scratched a little bit of that itch. Now what I just need is time. I don't know that I need to be traveling to get it all out. I have a stockpile of things to do and what I want to paint and what I want to design. I just need time. But I am going to do a painting workshop in France. So I'll get mine. That sounds heavenly. Yeah, it really does. It's in Bordeaux. Yeah. Um, So that will scratch the itch. Yeah. I love that you're giving yourself that time to do it. Oh, yeah. Giving myself that time, you know, that's never really been my issue. Mm. I feel that giving oneself our time is vital. It's mandatory for us to stay connected and show up for everyone in our lives. Because if we do not stay fueled, if we do not stay inspired, if we do not stay relaxed or centered or whatever it is, we can't really effectively show up for our family, for our friends, for our loved ones in a kind way for the shopkeeper Mm. down the street. Mm -hmm. We have to give ourselves our time. My friends know who to come talk to if they're looking for that reminder or pep talk. I really do stand for it. And it's a little unfair for me to say that and not acknowledge that I am divorced and I have shared custody. So, you know, I do have the luxury of some chunks of time that my friends who are not divorced do not obviously have, but more and more they are understanding that they need to ask for time or create that time or claim that time in order to fully show up. Oh, it's so inspiring. (laughs) Now, if someone were to come to you as they're setting up a home or a new space, what are some tips that you would offer to them? The biggest tip I would give is just to buy what you love, buy what you connect to, and don't think about rules. 
I don't think there's anything less interesting or less inspiring than a beautiful formulaic home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I would give everyone permission to pair something that excites them, even if they don't normally see yellow and red together. Okay, that's a bad example. (laughs) I might have named the only (laughs) off-limits color combination. But I mean, something that jars you in the right way or makes you calm in a way that you haven't seen this color pairing, but it affects your mood. We all have visual DNA. Our aesthetics are unique and we should not try and follow or adhere to someone else's aesthetics. We need to find our own design compass and our own design language. So my advice would be find what you love, buy it, make it work, let it make you happy learn what your DNA is and form your unique point of view out of what you just learned. Form your own story in your home. Yeah. The world needs more originality, not more repetition. I think in this day of Instagram and this flood of visuals that we all get, everything is tracking and channeling into some fairly predictable visual patterns. I'm all for shaking that up. Yeah. So Serena, as we're wrapping up, I have one last question for you. What does being home mean to you? Mm, You know, it's borderline trite to say home is where the heart is, but it's true. Our home is our center. It represents family. It represents our nest. And home to me, it's love, it's peace, it's everything. Mm. That's why I've committed my entire career with home as my muse, honestly. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, this is so wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes. I think that the work that you put out in the world is beautiful. Thank you. And, you know, it's helping our spaces feel lovely to us. However people choose, whatever items or designs or colors they choose, you know, it's just making homes lovely. And so I'm I'm all for that. Thank you so much. To learn more about Serena, you can find her on Instagram at Serena Dugan or visit her website, serenadugan.com, where you can learn more about her textiles, including her fabrics, wallpaper, and outdoor collection, and view her fine art, including her available paintings and works on paper. Be sure to visit our show notes where you can learn more about Serena. You've been listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman, executive produced by Eve Epstein. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio, theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.